You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gathering of your saints to hear your word today, the preaching of your word, the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you now for um, your, your saints of old, St. Augustine, and we pray that you would uh, teach us from his life and words and doctrine pray these things to the glory of your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I've given you a little handout. These are just little excerpts from St. Augustine. And I want to jump right in here. The, so there's kind of page one, two, three, and four, front and back. Do we have enough of these? I, I hope I printed out enough. So begins, though, just so you know kind of where it begins, where, where my little title page is. Title, I, I titled this, Augustine, Children Are Lovers, and you've got my three points there. And I want to just start, first of all, by just reading this first little section on, on the left-hand side of that front page. Could, could I get someone to volunteer to read that for us? No, no, that's it. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so what is happening here? Augustine... Uh, he's looking back on his life. So this is Augustine the adult looking back on Augustine the adolescent, right? And I love this phrase, by the way, that he, um, you know, he's talking about a, a gang of naughty adolescents who acted in their usual um, pestilential way, right? Only an adult could look back and say that about themselves. Um, Augustine, so they, what do they do? They're, they're kind of, I mean, this is this gang of, uh, you, I mean, you, you can just imagine this, I, I can anyway today, um, or at least looking back at my life, kind of, it's midnight, it's one o'clock in the morning, they're kind of, you know, roving around the neighborhoods, uh, basically just looking to get into mischief. And what do they do? They, they go into someone else's garden uh, and start stealing fruit out of the garden, don't they? Taking the fruit, picking the forbidden fruit. And um, Augustine is looking back at this now as an adult. Um, and you can, you can kind of imagine, let's think about this from the perspective of being parents. If you ask your child, right, your, let's say your adolescent son, son, wh- why did you do that, you know? Um, what's, there, is, there is a single universal answer that every adolescent has been uh, tutored in. What? I don't know. I don't know, right? I, I don't, and, they, and they probably didn't. I think it would take the adult looking back at his life to, to answer this question. And that's kind of what, adult, what uh, Augustine is doing. He's looking back. Um, he probably would have said at the time, I'm sure, yes, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, Dad, right? He's looking back, trying to answer that question about himself. And what does he say? What does he say? Why did he do it? Why did he commit this theft? Our pleasure lay in doing what was not allowed. Yes, our pleasure lay in doing what was not allowed, right? Now, let me ask another question. Why? What does that mean? Why did he take pleasure in doing what was not allowed? You can just kind of guess here. He's he's not answering for it. Uh, he's not answering for us right right here. But what do you think? Anyone want to just take us? What's that? Sin. Just for sin? Just for sin? For sin's sake? You think you're going to get away with something? Think you're going to get away? Yeah, get away with something, right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. Kind of the excitement, the enthusiasm, or the uh, the, the you know the energy. Yeah. It's the age that you're at. It's the age that you're at. Yes. Yeah, that's the level of your pleasure. It's just, uh, yeah. Um, that's... When I, when I, when I drop 
Yeah, yeah, yes, and that, I mean, and that's, yeah, and that's, and that's what Augustine's going to say. He's like, well, I, I had, I mean, his family was not destitute or anything. It wasn't that. This was just, like he says, pleasure. This is not need. Yeah, just the thrill of it. So this is the kind of the question that Augustine is going to ask in book two of the Confessions. And he is going, he is just, um, he is just, you know, you might say just ruthless in interrogating his own heart, trying to understand himself. He says, uh, one of the famous lines from the Confessions, he says, I am a question to myself. And Augustine is now trying to look back at his life and these, these episodes in his life and answer this question, who, who am I? Why did I do things like this? Why did I do uh, what I did? Let me step back just for a second. I gave a little bit of an intro to St. Augustine last week. I'm just going to hit a few of the kind of you know, biographical highlights here. Who is St. Augustine? So St. Augustine was born in 354 AD in a town called Tagaste, which is North Africa. It's around Algeria. Um, this is, sometimes this is helpful to me. Think about this, 354 AD, three, 350 years after, after the life of Jesus Christ. So just in perspective, that's a long time ago uh, from us. It's still, I mean, 350 years, the, the time period between, say, Christ and Augustine, that, that time period is still, I mean, it's still longer than, say, the period of time that the United States has been in existence. That's, it's, I mean, it's a fairly long period of time, uh, not even considering the fact that we are now, you know, another 16, 1700 years after Augustine. There's a long, I mean, this is, this is a long time ago. Um, I am just kind of uh, fascinated by these old books and by the, by the simple fact that we can somehow uh, communicate, connect, talk to, to uh, these people who lived that far ago, uh, that long ago. It's, it's really kind of amazing in a way um, that we can have some sort of, that we can talk with them, uh, that we can we can communicate like that. Uh, who was Augustine? Very quick. He was, he's born into a family. His mother is Christian. His father is not, at least not while he's a child. He later converts. So he's, he's you know, kind of uh, born into a Christian family, and he's a believer at a young age. He says he becomes a prodigal. Um, he walks away from the faith. He then is through a long series, and I mean like a long, he's a prodigal for a long time, um, the way I, I think of it is, uh, and I put it last week, is this was not like he's a prodigal son. For he, he went off for, you know, a four years at college and, you know, kind of sowed his wild oats in the fraternity. This is like, uh, you know, 20 years-ish, okay? He's well into adulthood before he is, he really returns to, to the faith. Um, he does return to Christianity, the, the, the faith of his, of his childhood and his mother, largely at, as a result of the devotion of his mother, Monica, who we talked about last time. He writes this book called The Confessions. I called it a spiritual biography and that, or autobiography, and that's kind of what it is, but, it's not, but not really. It's, not, it's certainly not an autobiography the way we think of it today. It's really, you might call it a memoir. It's because it's kind of select episodes. He doesn't just tell you the whole course of his life. He's just picking out episodes. It's not really a, mem uh, a memoir, though. It is very much a confession. He, he's addressing himself, not to us, but to God. And when he says, a lot of times through here, if, if, if you read Augustine saying, you, uh, like as in addressing, it sounds like he's addressing us, the reader, you have said, he's really saying, confessing to the Lord. You, God, have said such and such. He's, he's addressing himself to the Lord. So it is a kind of confessing himself to the Lord. 
It's also a kind of prayer. It's, uh, a lot of this is very uh, meditative, the way he reflects back. Um, so it's a kind of actually a mixed genre book. Uh, there's a lot of just theological and kind of philosophical reflection that can, he, that can um, it takes some time to, to kind of penetrate. So that's Augustine. <clears throat> um, what I want to ask today, last time I talked about his mother, Monica, and I thought a little bit, we talked a little bit, thought a little bit about what it would be like to be the parent of a prodigal son. Uh, to, when I, I've read, this is a book that I've read several times over, over the years. And when I first read St. Augustine, when I first read St. Augustine, and this is probably 20, 25 years ago. I mean, this is kind of normal. You read it and you think about yourself. Oh, I, yeah, this, I know exactly what Augustine means. This is exactly how my life played out. Um, when I read it now, of, of course I think of that, but I, I think of it very much from Monica's perspective. I find I'm much more sympathetic to Monica because I have, uh, Marnie and I have four children and they're all little prodigals, just like, just like we are or were. And I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm anxious the way Monica is anxious. Uh, I, you know, am praying for my children. I see them, you know, kind of going off and, and coming back um, constantly in, in smaller and larger ways in their life. And so I think of, uh, I think of Augustine. I'm, now I compare him very often when I read these passages to my own children. And I, I'm trying to understand what's going on in their life. So that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Um, the, so now we looked at Monica. Today I want to look at Augustine. Why, why are we prodigals? Why are we prodigal sons? Why are we prodigal daughters? And what can Augustine tell us about our own children? Why are they prodigals? Why, are, why do our children sin? And here's the answer, okay? We are prodigals because we love. Our children are prodigals because they are lovers. This is the answer that Augustine gives us that we sin because we love. And even in the midst of our sin, we are still lovers. Okay, that's the answer to the question. Why are we prodigals, Augustine says. He says, because we're lovers. Uh, let's, let's kind of uh, examine that a little bit. Okay, I wanna turn now to this second passage here. Let's just see what, what Augustine says. Um, with someone else, I can read, but I'm, I'd really much rather hear, hear someone else read. Passage two on, yeah. Single desire of marriage. Thank you. So he steals the pears. Uh, we read, and this, is, this has become this kind of famous episode in, in Augustine's life. And he says this, he says, he says, our pleasure lay in doing what was not allowed. Why does he do it then? Pleasure. Pleasure, right? Um, and he, and he tell and, and then so he can ask this kind of further question. So what what was the pleasure in doing it? I mean, explain that for us, Augustine. And Augustine does he tells us here. He says this that very first sentence that you that you read, the single desire that dominated my search for delight was simply to love and be loved. This is this is the root of everything for Augustine in human behavior is the single desire. Uh, that dominated my search for pleasure. Why did I steal the pears? What, what, where, how did I take pleasure in this? He says, it was, it, was, it was this desire to love and to be loved. All right. Um, uh, 
I was thinking about this the, the other day. Y'all know the novelist Walker Percy? I was talking about it with my father-in-law. There, I think so, uh, there's going to be a Sunday School series on his book, The Movie Goer. And um, Walker Percy, by the way, kind of Birmingham, Birmingham native, as a matter of fact, at least lived his young life in Birmingham, I think up to five or six or something like this, and then moved to Mississippi and, and lived with his uncle, who is this kind of, uh, he calls him something like a lawyer planter or something in Mississippi, named, um, uh, what was his name? Leroy, right? What's that? Is it Leroy Percy? Is that it? it Leroy. Okay, Leroy. There was emphasis on the second syllable. So, okay, so you know, you know the story. So, in the, so apparently his uncle, his uncle would press him with this question, uh, what do you love? What do you live for? And I can imagine if I asked uh, my adolescent children, what do you love? What do you live for? I would get the same answer as I, you know. Son, why did you do that? I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, right? Um, we have to, I think in a way, we have to ask these questions for our children uh, to try to, under, to understand them. We have to look back at ourselves the way Augustine is looking back at himself, at himself to understand uh, what do they love, what, what do they live for, because that, what Augustine is saying is that's what motivated me, even at this, even at this very, very young age. Um, just to kind of, I mean, y'all kind of got to bear with me, but as a kind of, I, I'm a kind of uh, amateur philosopher, but this is different, for example, than um, the, so, something like um, Adam Smith or Karl Marx, okay, in the realm of philosophy. Mo- human motivation is material and economic. It's possession to acquire possessions. It's, Augustine is saying, no, no, the deepest human motivation is, is to love and be loved. Um, Freud, the deepest human motivation is libido, right? Um, the kind of erotic desire. Augustine's saying, okay, no, it's not that either. It is, is a desire to be, to love and be loved. Of course, uh, that becomes a kind of erotic pursuit for Augustine as well. He, I, he, I, I said last time, the way Augustine, in fact, describes his kind of erotic pursuits at this stage in his life is almost as a kind of addiction. He talks about chains and bondage and being stuck all, all, uh, kind of against his will. He's a, kind of, he's a kind of addict to his sin at this point in his life. Um, let me stop for a second. Okay, so we've read these two little excerpts from Augustine. What do you think? What was Augustine's motive? He's not doing it only, yes, that's right. That's key. To love and to be loved. Yes. And and he's and that's that's kind of the, the answer to the question as he as he explores himself, um, you know, and why he did this. Yes. Let me okay, look back at this passage that we just read. Let me just point out a couple of things here. Look at this. So our children are lovers and and to un, and they may not understand uh, understand it fully. But this is, it, it can, I think it can be helpful uh, for us to think of them in these terms as lovers. And what do they love? What are they, what are they living for? Look back at this passage, though, uh, that we just read. And let me just point out some of the, some of the, the language that Augustine uses to describe himself. Um, he talks about this, uh, clouds of muddy carnal concupiscence. 
He talks about the, the, the bubbling impulses of puberty that befogged and obscured my heart. Um, and he, contra- he contrasts love serenity with lust darkness. Uh, the language of, of confusion, confusion of the two things boiled within me. Uh, sweeping me through the precipitous rocks of desire and to s- submerge me in a whirlpool of vice. Uh, you hear the, you see that language of a clanking chain. He says, I was tossed about, spilt, scattered, and boiled dry in my fornications and um, incapable of rest in my exhaustion. And then finally, uh, this metaphor of the stormy ways, the stormy waves of my youth. What, what does this language tell us about Augustine's experience here? He wasn't finding much happiness in this. He wasn't happy. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while, you know, you kind of catch your, your, your child um, having a come apart. This is my favorite term. And, and, you know, I want to tell him, like, do you, are, do you, are you happy now? Is this, is this you're, you're, you may get what you want, but does this feel like happiness to you? Yeah, he's not happy. He's not happy he's, because he's not at rest. He's not at peace. It's the language of, the, the language here is the language of chaos and disorder. I love that. I do love the image of the stormy waves because um, that brings to mind uh, the, the story of Jonah you know, where you've got Jonah, same, same thing is happening, and there's this, you know, inside of him, he is fleeing from God, right? And he is, what is going on in his heart is exactly what's going on, you know, outside of him in the boat, right? The storm that won't be stilled. Um, and Augustine is, is kind of comparing his, his heart, his inner life, fleeing from God uh, to, to, to kind of um, uh, uh, chaos, uh, this chaotic, and, and disordered existence, right? So uh, Ephesians 4.14, Paul, phrase Paul uses there, he says, you know, basically don't, don't be like children tossed to and fro. And I think that's, a, I think that's a, um, this is in con, con, larger context of Paul, but just that little phrase right there, it's, it's so interesting. He says two things. He's comparing, comparing uh, you know, the, the situation to children, and children who are tossed to and fro. This happens to children. They are tossed to and fro, right? Um, they, they can often kind of, uh, they can often kind of, you can find them in this state of, of chaos and disorder. So this comes, this is, this comes to my second point then. Our, ch- our children are lovers, but, and this is just like us really, they are disordered lovers. There is this kind of disorder to their loves. And this is what Augustine is, again, saying really about all of us. But our loves are disordered. They get out of order. Um, uh, and when, when that happens, it's not nice. It's not nice for them. It's not a happy, it's not the happy experience that was promised to them. They have to find the yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, some things can only kind of be learned by experience. Yeah. Uh, t- so turn the, turn the page here. I'll read for you this short snippet on the so uh, on the on the left hand side. Again, by the way, this is where this "you" here is is God that He's addressing Himself to. You, O Lord, by whom the the, head, uh, the hairs on our head are numbered. You use the error of all who pressed me to learn. He's talking about his education right now. You use the error of all who learn who pressed me to learn to turn out to my advantage. My reluctance to learn you used. 
for a punishment which I well deserved, so tiny a child, so great a sinner. So by making use of those who were, were failing to do anything morally right, you did good to me, and from me in my sin you exacted a just retribution. For you have imposed order, and so it is that the punishment of every disordered mind is its own disorder. Now this is, a, this is uh, okay, this takes a second. Let's stop and, and think about what he's saying here in this last sentence. Um, this is where it's good to kind of ponder over a little bit of one of the deeper theological points that Augustine makes. Uh, for you have imposed order, and so it is that the punishment of every disordered mind is its own disorder. I mean, let me make three points about what he's saying here. First of all, it's God has imposed order. The you, again, here is the Lord he's confessing himself to. And Augustine is saying that God has ordered the world. He has put things in order. And for Augustine, he, you know, this order is both kind of the material, natural order of the world, you know, kind of law of gravity, gravity, so to speak, things like that. But there's also a moral order of the world, and that's really mainly what Augustine is interested in here. But there is a moral order that God has, has created in the world. It's external, it's objective, it's not just dependent on our internal feelings or state or something like this, but there is this order that God has, has placed on the world. That's, my, that's kind of the first takeaway from the sentence right here. Uh, second of all, that our, that our, our loves can be disordered. Um, our loves become disordered when they're not in line with God's order. That's what, that's what happens with Augustine. Augustine will kind of, he seems to say to me, and uh, this may require more expertise than I have, but he, I, love is never, love itself is always responds to something beautiful for Augustine. Um, so you, you don't quite love what's evil. What you love is you love something good, but you love it wrong, like out of order. You love, you love something worldly more than you love God, say. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, for Augustine, it's a matter of d- these disordered loves. And when that happens, you suffer. Okay, that's, that's, what, uh, that's the kind of implication when he says, the punishment of every disordered mind is its own disorder. Now, punishment is a form of suffering, okay? And this, this, the, the, the exact suffering is the disorder that we suffer in our hearts. Um, yeah, the phrase that I like when, I, when we, when I'm, as I said, when I'm kind of dealing with our children is this, we have this phrase to have a come apart. And um, I, I love it because it is, it, it, it's so, um, you know, it, it's, it, to me, it's, it's kind of so evocative of the, this internal state where you are kind of disintegrating, you know, you, you know, going from kind of wholeness and peace and rest to stormy waves, right? You're, the child is, is, Augustine would say, literally having a spiritual come apart uh, or falling apart or, you know, these kinds of phrases, um, I, I mean, I think, they, I think they kind of harken back to what Augustine is talking about, this disorder. And it is, uh, for Augustine, it is a kind of uh, a form of suffering. Um, it should be a kind of lesson in, in, in suffering as well for all of us. Um, <clears throat> I uh, give you kind of an, ex- an example every once in a while. Um, uh, you, you catch your child doing something they know they're not supposed to do, right? And how do they, how do they respond? Um, 
they, you know, they turn, they, 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 you know, they're, they're texting someone they shouldn't be texting or doing something on their phone. They, and they, what do they do? They kind of huddle down and you can just, the body language, just anxiety is like coming out of their pores, right? They are, um, you know, it is this kind of, I mean, you can, you can, you can feel the kind of disorder within them, that they are torn at that moment. When you walk in the room between basically loving their parents and loving to, you know, their friends, and, and then something has gotten kind of like out of, out of order here. Their loves have kind of, are pulling them apart in a way. Uh, that, that's kind of what, what, um, what, uh, you know, what comes, what, what comes to mind. We, we had a, a situation, not a tragedy or crisis or anything a few weeks ago, where, where um, you know, it was exactly something like this, involved a cell phone, it was, uh, and, and one of our children, it, it was going to necessitate just a little minor parental involvement. Okay, um, again, this was not a crisis, but the child just came apart. Tears, um, wailing, gnashing, uh, I think it went on, I, mean, I think this carried on for uh, at least 24 hours didn't it, Marnie? I mean, it was unhappy. Um, and nothing, I mean, nothing had happened physically. I mean, this child was not wounded or anything like that. Uh, but just the threat that, um, or the possibility, it wasn't a threat, it was just possibility that, oh no, my parents are going to make me look bad in front of my friends, basically. I mean, it was just, whew, just everything, you know, the storms, of, the stormy waves of youth <laughs> all just kind of poured out at that point. That is a kind of experience of, of our loves being disordered, right? Um, uh, loving that approval, affirmation of friends in, in a way, uh, although it may be good at some level, in a way that's not good. That is, and it turns into suffering. It's an unhappy situation. That's, um, that's, that's kind of what I, uh, I, I uh, yeah, that's kind of what this calls to mind for me. Um, Questions, comments, yeah. Like spiral to like other areas where like it was mm-hmm. a small cell phone incident yeah. Yeah. that like has just detonated yes. everything yeah. in your life. And so it's, you know, that disorder begets disorder. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, that is, yeah. That's excellent. Which is kind of a scary thought. That... Yeah, yeah. I No, I think that's exactly what it is. Disorder is a kind of disease almost effect on us. Um, this is coincident, uh, uh, not to be too pretentious, I, or, or try to recall, there's this old German novel called The Sufferings of Young Werther that someone had just reminded me of the other day. And, this, and it's the story of unrequited love, this young romantic youth who loves a woman who's married to someone else. And it's exactly what happens in his life. The, it's like, the, uh, you know, he starts out just kind of pining over her, right? And, and he ultimately commits suicide because he can't have her. And, the, and it's just the chaos begets chaos, mm-hmm. right? And, and it, starts, it starts with disordered, a kind of disordered love in his heart. It's, I, it may be um, kind of the story of Romeo and Juliet. I mean, there is this kind of sweet young love going on there that becomes totally out of control until it, until it ends up in death and destruction. Yeah, we know these kinds of, I mean, these stories are just part of our kind of cultural heritage, I think, as well. All right, let's wrap this up then. And um, 
I'll read for you the, the last passage here. And you can see, this is where he does kind of answer this question a little bit for us, um, which uh, kind of what you said, uh, which you've alluded to. Augustine tells us, what, what did he take pleasure from? I'm going to skip down about halfway down that last passage. Um, what else has has stirred my mind to ask and to discuss and consider this question. Now he's kind of, why am I asking this question, trying to answer why I did this. If I had liked the pears which I stole and actually desired to enjoy them, I could by myself have committed the wicked act. If, if that was the pleasure that he was going for, you know, just kind of some sort of, you know, he just liked the taste of pears. He didn't need to do it with his friends, right? Uh, I could myself have committed that wicked act, and ha- had it been enough to attain the pleasure which I sought, I would, I would not have needed to inflame the itch of my cupidity. And cupidity means, it's basically a, a word means something like disordered love. I would not have needed to inflame the itch of my cupidity through the excitement generated by sharing the guilt with others. But my pleasure was not in the pairs, it was in the crime itself done in association with a sinful group. Yeah, he wanted, he was looking for friendship. He was looking for affirmation. He was looking for approval, the, the kind of the excitement or the pleasure of doing it with someone else, right? Um, and we know this too. We, uh, we, we do things with other people that we would never do on our own. Augustine was not hungry. He was not uh, destitute or poor. Um, you know, um, this was just purely because his friends were doing it. Um, this is kind of kind of the answer to that question. Uh, I, when he says, "I am a question to myself," why did I do these things? Who who am I? What is that? What is the deepest motivation? He wanted to be loved. It was this, and in this case, it's the love of friendship, the love of the love of the gang, right? Um, that he that he is pursuing after. Um, he wanted to to do what his friends were doing. Let me wrap it up there then. Um, yeah, any other kind of comments or thoughts about that? that? That's why I bring up the kind of this example of this little cell phone incident, because the funny thing of it was is that it was, what he was concerned about was being, the child was concerned about losing face with the, with the group, right? When, when if you just took a step back, like you're in the, the parental position, this is not actually that big of a deal. It needs to be fixed, need to address it, but... It, you don't have to lose your cool. Over, it, it was just that kind of thing. Yeah, sir. All right, so reading this from 1,700 years ago yeah. um, indicates that we as parents who are going to get a ringside seat to disorder love in our children, which we experience ourselves. So where, in, where then is, lies the hope in all of this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's kind of like my next lesson, if I had a third lesson. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll, give you, I'll give you my, my answer, but I'm just going to tell you that um, this is the kind of answer where I, I, I've come to understand this kind of, I can understand this analytically. It's very hard for me to live this out. So I'll just put it right there. Marnie will just say flat out in simple terms, oh, you're a hypocrite. <laughs> here's, what, here's what I find, too, is that um, love calls forth love. I'm very good at myself at I can make rules and distinctions and do this, don't do that. And I think the lesson that that I'm learning with my children is that there's, if I want, if I want them 
if I want this happy, peaceful order for them, that I have to love them first. Just it's the lesson of you know he loved us, you know th that we love because he first loved us, and we ha our children are going to love because we first loved them. I think that's I think that's just the overall lesson um, that I, you know Marnie and I have kind of learned or trying to learn with our children that it really calls for love to love them first. They're not going to their loves are not going to be rightly ordered or rightly placed first. We can't just expect that out of them, especially not, which I thought before, because, you know, just simply because I gave them a list, uh, you know, <laughs> of things to do and not do. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Monica is Monica's the patron was, saint she of. Yeah. He did. He suffered a long time before he got there, too. And that's kind of what I talked about last time. You know, Monica's devotion was a long suffering devotion. Yes. Um, so was my husband. Yeah. 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 But she never, uh, Monica never quit. I mean, and she's involved and engaged and loving her son through, through all of it. In the midst of, I mean, this is, you know, he's bringing, he's bringing home concubines and living with them and having children. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, Augustine was pretty, was pretty, pretty, yeah, yeah. Augustine was a pretty bad child, basically. And he was a bad adolescent, a bad young man, a bad middle-aged man. I mean, it took a long time. <laughs> <laughs> until he came around, and Monica's there the whole time. Yes. But, uh, yeah, she love. Yeah, the way I put it is, is love calls forth love, that, that in loving them. And, and you can, this is not that hard to see, really. Often the best moments with the, with the children are when we love them first, and they, it's, you know, it's almost like, you know, a, a moment of peace and calm kind of comes over them and they're finally okay again. But if I wait for them to say they're sorry or repent or whatever, I mean, it, 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 they will repent if I love them first, is what I find. But on their own, if I just, you know, repent, that, that's, that's a kind of futile, <laughs> I find, activity. Let me, um, there's, a, there's a Bible verse, <clears throat> a passage from the Psalm, Psalm 86. Verse 11, which uh, in light of what Augustine is teaching here has come to mean a lot to me. This is, yeah, Psalm 86, 11. He's, the psalmist prays to the Lord. He says, um, he says, unite my heart that I may fear your name. I think this is really interesting. This, I, that, that what the psalmist is praying for is a, a united heart, not a, a heart tossed about or disintegrated or falling apart. And it's united uh, in the fear of the Lord. It's, it's a, a kind of whole, uh, at rest kind of heart. And I pray that for myself and for the children. So let me pray that for us and for our children uh, now. Let's bow our heads then. Heavenly Father, we, do, we thank you again uh, for your saints from of old. We thank you for their, for their uh, wisdom, for their, for their uh, love for you. We pray that as we see their love, that we also may imitate their love for you, for each other, for our children. 
unite our hearts, unite the hearts of our children in a single-minded love for you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.